Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. It is our number two of Oilers Now, 107 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer live from T-Mobile Arena. Oilers Now brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Before we went to break, we went into Oilers Game Day trivia for Pro-Am Sports, Fan Cave and Fan Gear Specialists for all budgets in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and ProAmSports.ca. And I thought of this because... Mikey McLeod scored uh, what turned out to be the game winner for New Jersey in Game 7, the first goal in the game, and he's a right shot. The Oilers, Ryan McLeod, is a left shot. I was like, oh, that's a little odd. You know, because a couple of the brothers that I knew that, uh, you know, played maybe a year apart or whatever, they, they always shot the same way. So then I did some digging. I'm like, well, I wonder what happened with the Sutters. And as it turns out, two of the six shot, uh, Sutter brothers shot left-handed and four shot right-handed so my question and i went and checked it on the video but i wanted you to use the source hockeyreference.com daryl sutter and brian sutter randy had the right answer so there you go maybe we had a drop there i'm not sure uh we are it's just an odd odd thing as we go to brian lawton for our friends at wow factor desserts help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at their new retail location 350856 Avenue in Edmonton or click wowfactordesserts.com and we welcome back to the show Brian Lawton. Hi Brian, how you doing? I got the right answer in case you're wondering. Well, you, you played against all of them, didn't you? I did. And I do it was Daryl and Brian. Now, there who was who was the toughest, Brian? I felt like Brian pound for pound was a, you know, I played against him when he was in St. Louis. Uh, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he sure was the most willing, and he sure knew what he was doing, handling himself. So uh, I felt like he probably was the toughest. Brent would probably say it was him. Who knows what Richie Ronnie would say, but uh, I feel like Brian was. I remember. I can't remember. I think it was Rich uh, fought Norman Lacombe, who was with the Oilers and ended up in the Flyers. The Oilers traded him to uh, got him in a deal from Buffalo, and Norm was built like the proverbial brick, you know what house. He was he was just a, a, a big, thick, strong guy, and it was Richie Sutter that fought him. And Rich beat him. Like I was in shock because you know, like Lacombe was like six foot two and two hundred and five, but those Sutter boys all knew how to fight. They all, they all, and Richie and Ronnie, they might have been the scrappiest of them, right? Yeah, for sure they were. To be honest with you, and that's just a product of uh, the same things you heard when you were a kid. Just get outside and do something. <laughs> well, when you have a lot of brothers, when you have a lot of brothers, something turns into get outside and fight. I came yeah. from a family of four brothers, so I know this firsthand. So, uh, did all your brothers shoot with the same uh, handedness, Brian? Uh, three of uh, my brothers, myself included, being one of them, shot left, and I had one brother that shot right. I have no idea how or why. That was my youngest brother. Uh, he played college hockey at Merrimack. Um, but yeah, it's uh, who knows. You know, it's kind of like being left-handed or right-handed in terms of writing. You never know what makes a person do one thing or the other. But uh, yeah, that would have been remarkable, in my opinion, if all the Sutters had say shot right instead of just a couple shooting left. 
Yeah, I got uh, I when I was in grade one. I won't I won't say which school district I was with, but I got moved. I got switched from left-handed to right-handed for writing purposes. Yeah, so they made imagine that. It, that wouldn't happen today. Hey, before we get uh, to Oilers in Vegas, just as we conclude our Sutter talk, uh, your perspective on what happened in Calgary. First, Brad Trey Living does not get, uh, they offered him an extension, elects not to take it. They mutually part ways. And then a deep dive from Dom Maloney. Um, and Daryl Sutter is no longer the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Your thoughts? A little bit surprised by that. I just felt like Daryl had, you know, a lot of clout there, as much as, you know, GMs in a lot of places. So, yes, I was surprised. You and I actually talked openly about this very subject uh, on your show. And to be honest with you, I was very critical of Daryl. I didn't, I never did that with the intent that I thought he would get let go. I actually did not believe that, but I was just saying what I thought, as I always do on your show. Um, I have since communicated with Don Maloney. Very difficult decision. Uh, Not easy. Donnie's a veteran. Um, I can't really say, you know, what the final reason was, because it's not my business to say anything like that, but... um, that was, that was not an easy decision for, for Calgary. Daryl is very well thought of in the entire province, as you know. Um, he's legendary with the Flames. A couple of stints coaching there. Obviously, they're GM. So uh, that, that wasn't easy. The question really is, will that be good for them next year? And the answer lies within who they bring in. Uh, and then you'll know if it's if it's good or bad. We don't know who that is yet. I think they're gonna. Well, you've you know, spoken to Don Maloney. You've been in the chair before as GM. Are you a guy that could potentially be on the radar screen there, Brian? Or would you prefer not to? <laughs> no, no. I, I, Donnie and I have never spoken about that. We are friends. We had a conversation because Eric Francis had reached out um, to get some stories. Okay. On Donnie and I, pl- I played with Donnie on two different teams, and with uh, we got traded from the Rangers together to the Hartford Whalers. Right. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah, we haven't. We I'm not talking anything about the GM position. I was just talking about yeah. whether or not that's a good decision will be determined by what coach they bring in. Yeah. Daryl has a very unique way. May have a shelf life. I did hear Donnie say that publicly. Um. You know, coaching still matters in the National Hockey League, and being able to connect with players and get them to buy in to achieve at their highest level is always the goal. It was very, uh, it might have been too callous or, or easy of me to say, you know what, Jonathan Huberto, he dropped, you know, historic rate in his production. Kadri didn't really reach the heights that you would have hoped for him last year. Maybe part of that was, uh, or I'd, I'd be pretty certain part of that was the analysis and an effect they're going to try to undo next year with a new coach. All right, so here's what I find interesting, because you're very good friends of Dave Tippett. You played with him as well, know him well. Uh, the owners, I'm not going to include Ken Hitchcock, because he was only an interim coach at Edmonton, but they basically went from Todd McClellan to... Um, to Dave Tippett, and both guys did got, got the teams in the playoffs. Like both guys did decent jobs as head coach here, but Jay Woodcroft uh, has the highest points percentage 
of any head coach with more than 100 games head coaching experience in the NHL in the last 50 years, dating back to Tom Johnson in the early 1970s with the Boston Bruin powerhouse. So, you know, I mean, Jay coached a bunch of these kids in the minors. He's got a off-the-charts power play that is run by Glenn Gulletson. Uh Dave Manson does a real good job with the D and is, I mean, look at what Bouchard's done since the Barry trade and getting Ekholm. Does Calgary maybe need to look at what happened here a bit with Edmonton where they went with a less experienced coach but a guy that knew their players from the farm system or is Edmonton's scenario a one-off with Jay Woodcroft? Your thoughts, Brian Lawton. I definitely think they will take notice of it. You're always looking around to see, you know, what's transpired for other people. There's no magic formula. There's still feel, and it's still about the GM and an intuitive decision. But you're going to do as much due diligence as you can. Jay is a, a magnificent coach. I know Todd and Tippy both. Tippy better than Todd, but they are top-notch coaches. The Oilers have been pretty blessed with the guys they've had in there, to be honest with you. Uh, Jay is a continuation of that and is hitting even higher heights than, you know, guys like Tippy and Todd that have coached a lot of games in the National Hockey League. So I think that speaks to how bright his future is. Uh, and yet you just never know in coaching. You know, he could be on this incredible run. It could continue for two more years. Things may not work. And we may be talking about him and another guy. You just don't know. It's a very unstable business. But as far as my analysis of Jay, he has been absolutely incredible. I think he's been a great communicator. He's made pushed all the right buttons when he had to. He's handled the players beautifully. Super impressed. Calgary will absolutely take notice of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they hired somebody that's not necessarily a big name or somebody that has coached before in the National Hockey League. Well, they have both. That's just a guess. Yeah. That's just a guess. Yeah. Well, you guessed right on – I mean, I recall, Brian, part of our our relationship taking off is when you came on the air and said when Ken Holland became GM – just remember the name Dave Tippett because not a lot of people had tied. Of course, Tip had not worked with Ken Holland before that point, not, and he was working with the Seattle Kraken at that time. Edmonton and Vegas, a little piece of note here. Bruce Cassidy, who uh, of coaches over 400 games, has one of the top five winning percentages in NHL history. Uh, Elliot Friedman just saying uh, Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights uh, coach uh, Bruce Cassidy says Mark Stone, Braden McNabb, and Shane Theodore all a go tonight. Of course, yesterday Stone left practice. Looked like a tweak. Um, give me your uh, thoughts on this series. What you see is uh, a couple of storylines that are going to be important. Well, I think Mark Stone in himself is a massive storyline. He seemed to really change uh, Vegas, who had a, you know, they had a very good regular season, but it felt like a team like Edmonton was coming on strong. Edmonton, uh, Vegas, to their credit, was able to hold Edmonton off and win the Pacific, which is turning out to be really valuable for them as the series will start there, of course. Uh, but Mark Stone, to me, is a big storyline. Uh, those guys all being available tonight is a big storyline. The depth of Vegas uh, is very strong. Uh, with Mark Stone in there, it's like all of a sudden they have three really impressive lines Chandler Stevenson and Stone have been good. Uh, Eichel is, you know, 
Eichel is Eichel. You know what you're going to get from him. It's going to be consistent. And then Carlson has given him a lot down the middle. Those three lines are all going for Vegas, even though when I look around at all my peers, and it's pretty heavily favored where most people are picking Edmonton in the series, it won't be the slam dunk that people think in my opinion. Six or seven either way, Brian, for me. Six or seven either way. I got to ask you this about Vegas. Why is it that guys come here and everybody gets better? Like Chandler Stevenson is, you know, a, a big-time performer the last three seasons since coming over here. He had 65 points this year. William Carlson had a 40-goal season. Um you know, it seems to me that guys come to this organization, even Nikola Wad, maybe he just realized his potential, but 14, it was a fourth-round pick that Carolina kind of gave up on. 14 goals this year, you know, on the fourth line, and Carrier had 16 goals. He was a St. Louis second-round pick. What is it about this environment that allows... Is there something that they're doing? And, it's not, and, and the thing is, it's been different coaches as well. Brian, like it hasn't been the same coach and the same coaching staff. What do you think happens here? Uh, I think you got to give a lot of credit to, well, Chandler Stevens, you know, kid from the West, Kelly McCrimmon, knew him well. The Washington Capitals, you know, they liked him. He wasn't really getting an opportunity there. He never really got an opportunity to flourish in anything but a bottom six role. Gets an opportunity in Vegas and has made the most of it. He could always skate. Uh, I happened to be doing some work with Washington, his first training camp, and he was an impressive guy, but he was very raw coming out of junior in terms of being ready to do what he's doing now at the pro level. I think Kelly McCrimmon recognized that, smartly made a move for him, gave him an upgrade and opportunity, and Chandler's done the rest for himself. He's just been a great story. I can't tell you how many people I know in that organization or whether they were players or staff there say, could you believe how well he's done? And the answer is that there's a lot of players like him throughout the league. They just never see the opportunity they need to see to reach their heights that they're capable of. I think Kelly in particular, McCrimmon, does that really well. He tried it with Nolan Patrick. That hasn't necessarily worked the way he would have hoped. But I think he's got a great eye for that. He's always on the lookout for it, and he's done it at a higher rate than most others in this league. All right. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here. You talked in the past that you thought maybe Edmonton could have gone even further down the road in terms of get, you know, giving up more draft capital. We've spoken about this before. Did you envision when Boston was up 3-1 that the Bruins would not be able to close out the Florida Panthers because they've given up a ton here? They were all in. And uh, they're going to get stung with cap overages, obviously, now in bonuses with the likes of Bergeron and Krejci. Uh, didn't work out quite the way Boston was hoping, did it? No, it didn't. But first, let me acknowledge what you're saying is exactly correct. I have said that on the air, on your show and others that I felt like when you get to a certain point, you really should push it. That dovetails with the real questioner asking me, the Boston Bruins, Don Sweeney, did he do a good job now that they've lost in the first round? Is it the same as Columbus, who held on to Panera and Bobrovsky and then got nothing for those guys? It is not. 
in my opinion. Columbus was a terrible decision. Even though they, you know, have proven that they could shock people, they were never where Boston is, in my opinion. Don Sweeney did the absolute right thing. Uh, he went all in. He bet on his team. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I always say this, and people disagree with me. If you are a great team, and the Boston Bruins were a historically good team, your chances of winning against the field are still 20-80 against. That is what point. the NHL playoffs. That's, that's what the NHL point. playoffs are. We're not. We're not basketball. Connor McDavid is Michael Jordan, but Connor McDavid can't play ninety-nine percent of the game, and he can't have the puck on his stick fifty percent of the time of the game. And that is a difference in the two sports that people fail to recognize. And that's why the odds in basketball occasionally are like fifty-fifty that a great team will make it to the finals, even. Yeah. That's not hockey. Don Sweeney did a great job. It's Yes, he's going to have to unwind some things. Yes, he made some big bets and lost. Doesn't matter. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. I completely uh, commend him for having the jam to make those moves. My comments about Edmonton had to do with if they don't make it to the finals, in my opinion, because you asked me this before, yeah. I would say it's because of depth. Now, their depth played good in the first round. Is it going to hold up as you see deeper and deeper teams? Great point. Those are just Those are just question marks. I don't know the answers, but I don't back down off of what I said, and I'll be the first guy when the Edmonton Oilers hoist the Stanley Cup this year to say I was wrong. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, Ken was he moved the, he moved two number ones, but he got three years out of Matthias Ekholm back in that trade, right? Because he obviously mentioned a guy in Schaefer that they liked. Um, I think Boston's going to get a number one back, Brian. I think they're going to move possibly Jake DeBrusque or Taylor Hall. They need a center in Boston. And I'm looking at St. Louis, who have stated they're not holding on all three number ones. And right now they have Dallas and Toronto's number one. And those teams both could be in the final four, which would be 29 to 32nd overall picks. So, right. Well, yeah, remember, it's always a fluid equation. And you have to evaluate these things that way. Somebody who sent me a trade today. Oh, that someone sent me a trade on, uh, what did I think of Marino for Ty Smith? Now that Jersey's doing so well, and Marino, who used to be in Edmonton pick, is playing so well. Uh, you know, they're fluid equations. Ty Smith, he hasn't even played 125 games in the NHL. He's played over 100, but less than 125. You don't know where he's going to end up. It doesn't always equal out at the moment that people want to judge it. So keep that stuff in mind. But Don Sweeney, uh, I vote for the guy for GM of the year. I just thought he did an amazing job. Look how well Bertuzzi and Orloff played for them. Yeah, they're gonna, Well, that's the part of the reason why I think they're going to trade one of Hall or DeBrusque, because I think they're going to sign Bertuzzi, because he's had a history yeah. of doing that when he's moved his number ones before. Brian. Love having you on the show. Great points by you. Uh, thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. Enjoy it out there. You bet. That is Brian Lawton for our friends at Wow Factor Desserts. Help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at their new location, 3508 56th Avenue in Edmonton, or click on wowfactordesserts.com. Uh, we'll come back with a little bit of a look at the goaltenders with Protect the Net for Solve Cybersecurity when we return in Oilers Now. 
1228 in Edmonton, Protect the Net, brought to you by Solve Cyber Security. That's Solve Cyber Security. Stay ahead of cyber threats with a team that you can trust. Visit so1ve.io. We all call it Laurent Brassois. 4 and 1, 2.42 goals against the average, 9.15 save percentage against Stuart Skinner. 3 and 2, 3.43 goals against the average, 8.90 save percentage, but with 25 and 40 saves in his last two starts in the playoffs in the winners' victories. Uh, more of the goaltending matchup coming up with Mike McKenna. Tell you the guests in the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Evidence favorite. Teponyaki Steak Restaurant. Come in and check out their new location, 3975 Calgary Trail. David Staples, Call to Hockey, coming up next after a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.